0: Truly a miracle of miracles it is that earth-blinded eyes ever open to the world of reality. Most of those present at this luncheon party knew a little of Abdu'l-Bahá's life history and presumably were expecting a dissertation from him on the Baha'i cause. The hostess had suggested to the master that he speak to them on the subject of immortality. However, as the meal progressed, and no more than the usual commonplaces of polite society were mentioned, the hostess made an opening, as she thought, for Abdu'l-Bahá to speak on spiritual things. His response to this was to ask if he might tell them a story, and he related one of the Oriental tales, of which he had a great store, and at its conclusion all laughed heartily. The ice was broken. Others added stories of which the master's anecdote had reminded them. Then, Abdu'l-Bahá, his face beaming with happiness, told another story, and another. His laughter rang through the room. He said that the Orientals had many such stories illustrating different phases of life. Many of them are extremely humorous. It's good to laugh. Laughter is a spiritual relaxation. When they were in prison, he said, and under the utmost deprivation and difficulties, each of them at the close of the day would relate the most ludicrous event which had happened. Sometimes it was a little difficult to find one, but always they would laugh until the tears would roll down their cheeks. Happiness, he said, is never dependent upon material surroundings. Otherwise, how sad those years would have been. As it was, they were always in the utmost state of joy and happiness. That was the nearest approach he came to any reference to himself or to the divine teachings. But over that group, before the gathering dispersed, hovered a hush and reverence which no learned dissertation would have caused in them. After the guests had gone and Abdu'l-Bahá was leaving for his hotel, he came close to his hostess and asked her with a little wistful smile, almost, she was used to say, like a child seeking approbation, if she were pleased with him. She was never able to speak of this conclusion to the event without deep emotion. You're listening to the Journey West podcast, dedicated to following the travels of Abdul Baha in the West.
1: Welcome to the podcast. This week's feature was set in Dublin, New Hampshire, during Abdu'l-Bahá's stay from the end of July to the beginning of August. I like Howard Kolbeyev's story about the lunch with Abdu'l-Bahá. The master almost appears cheeky in a way. Yeah, it's interesting how he speaks about being happy in spite of the difficult surroundings. In preparation for the talk this week, it's important to understand that many of the early believers from the West came from a predominantly Christian background. Many of the questions they posed to the Master were related to prophecy and questions regarding the Bible. To help with our understanding of the issues related to prophecy, this week's talk covers the topic of literal
2: interpretation and prayer. 5 August 1912. Talk at Dublin Inn. The people of Christianity have clung to literal interpretation of the statement in the gospel that Christ came from heaven. The Jews, likewise, at the time of his manifestation, held to outward and visible expectation of the fulfillment of the prophecies. They say, The Messiah shall appear from heaven. This man came from Nazareth. We know his house. We know his parents and people. It is only her say that he descended from heaven. This cannot be proved. The text of the gospel states that he came from heaven, although physically born of the mother. The meaning is that the divine reality of Christ was from heaven, but the body was born of Mary. Therefore, he came according to the prophecies of the Holy Book, and likewise according to natural law, his reality from heaven, his body earthly. As he came before, so must he come this time in the same way. But some arise with objections, saying, we must have literal proof of this through the senses. The reality of Christ was always in heaven and will always be. This is the intention of the text of the gospel. For while Jesus Christ walked upon the earth, He said, The Son of Man is in heaven. Therefore, holding to literal interpretation and visible fulfillment of the text of the holy books is simply imitation of ancestral forms and beliefs. Therefore, holding to literal interpretation and visible fulfillment of the text of the holy books is simply imitation of ancestral forms and beliefs. For when we perceive the reality of Christ, these texts and statements becomes clear and perfectly reconcilable with each other. Unless we perceive reality, we cannot understand the meanings of the holy books, for these meanings are symbolical and spiritual, such as, for instance, the raising of Lazarus, which has a spiritual interpretation. We must first establish the fact that the power of God is infinite, unlimited, And it is within the power to accomplish anything. Second, we must understand the interpretation of Christ's words concerning the dead. A certain disciple came to Christ and asked permission to go and bury his Father. He answered, Let the dead bury their dead. Therefore, Christ designated as dead some who were still living, that is, let the living dead. The spiritual dead bury your father. They were dead because they were not believers in Christ. Although physically alive, they were dead spiritually. This is the meaning of Christ's words. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. He meant that those who were simply born of the human body were dead spiritually, while those quickened by the breath of the Holy Spirit were living and eternally alive. These are the interpretations of Christ himself. Reflect upon them, and the meanings of the holy books will become clear as the sun at midday. The holy books have their special terminologies, which must be known and understood. Physicians have their own peculiar terms. Architects, philosophers, have their characteristic expressions. Poets have their phrases and scientists their nomenclature. In the scripture we read, the Zion is dancing. It is evident that this has other than literal interpretation. The meaning is that the people of Zion shall rejoice. The Jews say Christ was not the Messiah, but Antichrist, because one of the signs of the Messiah's coming was the dancing of Mount Zion, which has not yet come to pass. In reality, when Christ appeared, not only Sinai but all Palestine danced and rejoiced. Again, in scriptures it is said, The trees of the field shall clap their hands. This is symbolical. There are terms and expressions of usage in every language which cannot be taken literally. For instance, in oriental countries it is customary to say, When my friend entered the house, the doors and walls began to sing and dance. In Persia, they say, get at the head, meaning engage in the matter according to its own terms and usages. All these have other and inner meanings. You have asked concerning approval of Christian science, treatment and healing. Spirit has influence. Prayer has a spiritual effect. Therefore, we pray, O oh God, heal this sick one. Perchance God will answer, Does it matter who prays? God will answer the prayer of every servant if that prayer is urgent. His mercy is vast, illimitable. He answers the prayers of all His servants. He answers the prayers of this plant. The plant prays potentially O God, send me rain. God answers the prayer, and the plant grows. God will answer anyone. He answers prayers potentially. Before we were born into this world, did we not pray, O God, give me a mother. Give me two fountains of bright milk. Purify the air for my breathing. Grant me rest and comfort. Prepare food for my sustenance and living. They would not pray potentially for these needed blessings before we were created. When we came into this world, they would not find our prayers answered. They would not find mother, father, food, light, home, and every other necessity and blessing, although we did not actually ask for them. Therefore, it is natural that God will give to us when we ask Him. His mercy is all-encircling, but we ask for things which the divine wisdom does not desire for us. And there is no answer to a prayer. His wisdom does not sanction what we wish. We pray, Oh God, make me wealthy. If this prayer were universally answered, human affairs would be at a standstill. There will be none left to work in the streets, none to till the soil, none to build, none to run the trains. Therefore... It is evident that it will not be well for us if all prayers were answered. The affairs of the world will be interfered with, energies crippled and progress hindered. But whatever we ask for which is in accord with divine wisdom, God will answer, assuredly. For instance, a very feeble patient may ask the doctor to give him food which will be positively dangerous to his life and condition. He may beg for roast meat. The doctor is kind and wise. He knows it will be dangerous to his patient, so he refused to allow it. The doctor is merciful, the patient ignorant. Through the doctor's kindness, the patient recovers. His life is saved. Yet the patient may cry out that the doctor is unkind, not good, because he refuses to answer his pleading. God is merciful, in his mercy, he answers the prayers of all his servants when, according to his supreme wisdom, it is necessary.
1: Now to our roundtable discussion. Uh, my name is Emrah I'm a university student studying integrative physiology.
3: My name is Ashko Nazemi, and I'm an architect. My name is
4: Wyler Metge, and I'm a jiu-jitsu instructor. I the Baha was speaking to a Christian audience a sort of the... The strength of language he uses concerning the the prophecies that uh, regarding the the return of Christ or the appearance of the Messiah, Um, probably he maybe not have used such strong language when speaking with a Jewish congregation. Just uh, it sort of illustrates the way he he spoke to people, according to as he says later when, you know, according to their particular terms, he spoke to the Christians about the fulfillment of prophecies that they accept.
3: I like how clear Abdu'l-Bahá makes it and how he uses the example of the Jewish people and how when Christ came and uh, they were expecting certain prophecies and they didn't see him and they rejected him and how he's now turning to Christians and saying, don't make the same mistakes, very clearly.
1: I think he also brings in this perception of reality of this balance between spirituality and um our physical natures. Like he talks about um Christ being from heaven, but at the same time like, you know, physically born from Mary and kind of looking at the different perceptions of reality. Like if we take everything that the Bible talks about as literal, it's you know, not exactly um, accurate,
4: sort of clarifying. He he says that Christ's reality is from heaven, and sort of, Abdul specifies that that reality is spiritual reality, and if we understand that, then we understand that anything that appears in the holy books, they're they're describing reality. They're describing physical reality. So, anything that appears in the holy books is going to be talking about spirituality and not physical things
3: thinking of the audience um, I wonder what they were thinking when they first heard these because for centuries and centuries they had this different idea of what the gospel and the stories in the in the Bible mean and um, I wonder how they felt when hearing these they, I'm sure some of them had uh, some difficulty, even though it makes sense I think it 's the same thing applies today it's um, people have a hard time trying to let go of the things they know and try to judge not just let go of their prejudices and just see if it makes sense
4: I think at the same time, like while it is sort of a new belief that he might might be presenting to some people it's it's still not, like, especially challenging to their, mm-hmm. to their beliefs. It's very um, logically laid out in a way that I think is, is easy to accept. You know, he talks about let the, the dead bury their dead. You know, what, what does that mean? That can be, you know, that might be a question that Christians have had in their hearts. Some, you know, some of the people in his audience, how, you know, what, what does that phrase mean? It's sort of cryptic. Um and explaining that there's there's the physical death of the body and there's the spiritual death of, of unbelief or the spiritual life of of belief.
1: And along with that, talking about um, like that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit and kind of looking at, you know, we all have this combination of both flesh and spirit. There's not, you know, two separate kinds of humans, but to... To look at like what is more important for our spiritual well being and um, you know what does it mean to be spiritually dead like what what is that unbelief and being able to you know read the, the holy books and make it become clear as clear as the sun
4: maybe that's part of what how this applies to us in sort of this modern world is what what does it mean to 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 believe. And to be spiritually alive it's not, you know, we, I think we all, everyone accepts that it's not so, not everyone, but many people will accept that it's, it's not just a matter of saying, oh, I believe, or believing, accepting as true things that, that are contrary to logic, like, let, you know, the physically dead are going to stay in the ground, they can't get up and shovel and, and bury the other physically—that is contrary to logic. It's something for us to ponder. I mean, what, what to you? What, what does belief mean to you in that context?
3: So, as Abdul Baha says, um, that each, each profession, each field of knowledge has its own uh, terminology, and the holy scriptures are no different. Um, in my opinion. Um, Depending on the the time and the place that the books are revealed, um the terminology changes slightly so the people at the time can get a grasp of very deep spiritual knowledge um and then I think another purpose of the terminology and uh, some of the analogies that are used, symbolic terms, is for the knowledge in the books to to be able to be passed on throughout the years. As language changes, I think the symbolic terms are still able to convey certain meanings. And people are able to, as their understanding increases, to grasp more and more from these symbolic terms. So, as Abdul Abdullah puts it, we need to be aware of this and not take things literally. When Christ came, people were expecting Mount Zion to be dancing because that's what they read. But that had a different meaning. That meant people would be rejoicing. So if we try to, if we understand that each term has symbolic meanings, then we can easily better understand the holy scriptures and get a richer understanding of the holy books and texts.
4: I love this this explanation of you know why not all prayers are answered positively. Why is it that some people pray for wealth and don't necessarily receive wealth. It's so so concise. Like if if everyone prayed to become wealthy and and then everyone was wealthy, then nothing. No one would have any reason to work, and human affairs would come to a standstill. It's just so clear.
3: I like how Abdul Bah says that even uh, God answers a prayer of a plant. So if he answers a prayer of a plant, then. We shouldn't be really worried. But then we have to understand that God doesn't always look at what we want and what we wish, and that um, he goes by his wisdom. So I think a better way of praying is not to say, God, I want this. is to kind of be detached and ask God for guidance, because that's better for you.
1: Well, I think... um You know, like at the beginning, we started with interpretations kind of from Christ and how those interpretations are important to kind of analyze and reflect about what it's talking about. And I think that as Abdu'l-Bahá starts talking about prayer, it is also important to kind of look at those and, you know, become more in tune and have like interpretations of like maybe these answers or confirmations that God is sending us, and um, kind of just, you know, looking with a, a finer lens to our lives in a more, like, spiritual way.
4: You know, in a way, this talk is like two guides to, to do, two, two different thing, uh Two different things. Abdu'l-Baha offers us some insight into inter, into interpretation of the holy writings and kind of gives us, gives us guidance on, on how to go about doing that. And in the same way, it doesn't have to be, you know, the, that sort of tool doesn't have to be exclusive to, to the holy writings. It can, you know, asking ourselves, what is, what is the purpose of any of our endeavors or what is the purpose of these, any sort of information or concepts that we come across or tools or, or anything like that will serve us well. And then this the second part is you know what is what is the purpose of prayer what what is the um what is the the purpose of some prayers being answered and some prayers not being answered and this this explanation from Abdul baha where you know kind of giving us this license or explaining you know you you can pray for anything really anything you need god's wisdom his mercy is all encircling but there are some things that, that won't be answered. And that's okay too. When you're a sick patient, maybe you want some roast meat, but, we, but it's wonderful because we have a physician we can trust and we can ask for whatever it is we want and we know we're only going to get the things that we truly need. So it's this, it's this amazing sort of double blessing of being able to pray really truly for anything and know that we're only going to get the things that we really need.
1: That's it for our podcast this week. If you'd like more information about Abdulbaha's travels in the West, visit our site, www.thejourneywest.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at The Journey West. Thanks, everyone. Bye.